Well, I can tell it's voting time. Who's with me? Right? Debates. Anybody watch the, the Wisconsin debates between the governors? I didn't. Okay. I kind of did, but I didn't. But you know what's weird is that every, I mean, you can tell it's voting time because there's so many commercials. I tell you, if I see another Mandela Ron Johnson commercial, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do this. It's like everything. You watch the news, Ron Johnson did this, Mandela Barnes did that. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And none of them are believable. They try to make you think they're believable, but none of them are. No matter what side of the aisle you fall on, it doesn't matter. You just go, oh, really? Again? Right? Politics is so negative, isn't it? You can, tell it's, you can tell it's voting time because there's a ton of confusion in the air. Who's with me? There's a lot of confusion going on, man. There's a lot of things happening right now. There's instability right now in our country. Nobody knows what's going to happen economically. Nobody really knows what's going to take place. There, there's this promise. There's that promise. There's people saying, oh, no, it's the best economy that has been in so many years. And, and then some people say, it's the worst. We're going into recession. Watch out, everybody. And I just want you to know that we don't live, listen to me, believers, we don't live by the standard of this world. We live by the kingdom of God and what he says, okay? When your Bible and your word says, my God shall supply all of what? Your needs according to what? His riches and glory. That's the main key is right there, is that we don't trust in horse and chariots, but we rely on Jesus himself, okay? You know how we're gonna thrive through, these, through this season? It's Jesus, that's it. That's it. It's, it's so crazy right now. And I want to speak real quick to this instability that's going on right now. This instability that's happening that we feel, it's kind of like unsettled ground right now un under us. And it's kind of seemed that way for the last few years within our country. And uh, there's been a, just some, some weird distractions. And I want to encourage you, this instability that we're feeling is simply a distraction from what God wants to do in our country from what God wants to do in our country. The enemy does everything he can do to, to try to get your eyes off of what matters most and get your eyes on the storm in front of you, okay? That's exactly what the enemy loves to do. There is waves, our boat is rocking, but we know whom we trust in, and that is Jesus himself. Come on, somebody. That's God himself. So the enemy would want nothing more than to distract you from your divine purpose by keeping your eyes on the storm around you and what you can't control than what's in front of you. So I want to give you three really quick, quick keys, okay, to keeping stable in these unstable times. You guys ready? Okay. Caleb, my son, who is doing an amazing job as a youth pastor right now in Birmingham, Alabama. Amazing job. He's starting to learn how to do Photoshop. And he's constantly asking me. I'm going to ask, I'm going to charge him next time. Okay. Okay got to find another stream of income somehow. I might as well get it for my kids. And, uh, and uh, he's asking me, Dad, what, what do you think I should do? And so he, he made this little graphic for his youth ministry that said, um, that said, history makers are note takers. <laughs> and you got to know my son, Caleb. He's the last person to take a note. <laughs> But something happened to him during, during college where I think some things happened. He made history makers. And he also made another one that says the quiet church is a dead church. 
And, uh, and so that was really, really cool. And so he's trying to teach his, his youth ministry right now some of these kind of cultural things that, that, that he wants to see his youth do. And so I would vouch to say that probably within the next year, we're going to see his youth group going, come on, Pastor Caleb, you know, shouting him down. Why? Because a quiet church is a dead church. So number one, three quick keys if you're taking notes, history makers. Here's what it is. Number one, key to being stable in these unstable times is hunger for God. We have to have a hunger for God. Let me encourage you to allow your hunger for God move you from this hype that we see around our world, from hype to hunger. Don't follow after God because of what he can do for you. Follow him because of who he is. You guys hear what I'm saying? Right? Follow him for who he is. That's where our hunger should come from. Not about what he can do for you, not the next blessing, not the next financial blessing, not the next thing, not the next that, not the next thing. But our hunger and our passion for him should come from a deep place with inside of us where it says, God, I want you more than anything. And I want you to know from your pastor's heart to you, I want you to know I want nothing more than the presence of Jesus. There's nothing else more satisfying. And I'm here to just tell you, I'm vouching right now, just, just by throwing the net right now, I bet you there's people in this room who have tried, who are currently trying other things right now to bring completion and fulfillment in your life. Nothing will fill the void of emptiness in your heart but Jesus. Nothing will. You can try, you can go and taste other things, and they may seem good for a season, but I promise you right now that it will constantly leave you hanging and drying until you come to Jesus. And I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about people in your lives. I'm talking about running after the wrong thing. Whatever the case is, go ahead and do it. I promise you, you'll be right back here at this altar going, I need Jesus. Why? Because he's the only thing that brings life into your heart. Number two. <laughs> Stay connected to the body of believers and the family of Christ. Remember, these are three quick keys to being stable in these unstable, unstable times. Let me encourage you with this. If you found yourself slipping lately from faithfully being a part of the life of the church, it's time to reassess your own personal heart to see if we've allowed distractions and confusion to mislead us and misdirect us. And after we kind of take a look, a real hard look into our hearts, let's realign our desires to not forsake the gathering of believers. I was talking to a couple of pastors this last week over at Panera Bread. You know when people say, is that all you do is go out for coffee? Kinda. <laughs> and a pastor told me, he said, um, he said, the average person thinks faithful attendance to a church is once in every six to eight weeks. Ouch. Yeah, I, I go to River of Life. I, I go there. Really? I, I don't know who you are. Well, yeah, I came about eight weeks ago. Look, I'm not going to sit here and dog anybody who's just kind of coming around and kind of doing their thing and, and trying to get there. But if you are a believer here this morning... And I'll just speak to our church. And you consider our church your home church? Get involved as much as you can. Because this right here, the body of believers, will strengthen you for the times to come. It will strengthen you in the unstable times. Because we just hit the tip of the iceberg, guys. I'm telling you right now. And the only thing that we're going to have is the church and us and our families together. Okay? And our families together. All right? So I want to encourage you with that. 
right? I'm not dogging about like if you got work or things like that. That's not what I'm saying. It's kind of like when we, when, we, when, we, when we get, the alarm goes off, and we're like, oh, man. Whew, I had such a late night last night. I don't, I don't know if I'm able to make it to church. Look, I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about just our choices, okay? Our choices. I'm not even saying this so you can get butts in the seat. I don't care about that. What I care about is what you're doing to make sure that you're healthy and confident in Christ inside of you. And the only way you can do it is by rubbing shoulders with other believers. That's it. Okay? And if you can't come on Sundays, that's no big deal. Find a time to get involved in the church, in the family believers, because that's going to sustain you. You can almost always look at someone's life who's slipping away from God by the, time that they, uh, by the time that they spend coming to the house of God. Because the Bible is so true. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If there's not some gladness taking place in your heart for going to the house of the Lord, then we need to reassess our heart. We need to come before the Lord and go, God, why? Number three, be outrageously contagious. How to be stable in an unstable time. How are you pouring yourself out? If you've been a believer for a year and you haven't yet started making disciples, it's time to start making disciples. I don't know enough. Look, the disciples try to use that on God, on Jesus himself. I don't know enough. He says, no, go and make disciples. But God, I, 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 don't, I don't know enough of the scripture. Go and make, look, the word of God will come alive in you when you begin to live the word of God out from your life. We have to make disciples. We have to go out there. See, because what we do is when we live outrageously contagious for the people around us, okay, what happens a lot of the times is that, is that we begin to get out of the consumer mentality and begin to get into the kingdom advancement mentality. That's what happens. And unfortunately for the church of today, we've relied on being a consumer rather than somebody who goes out and consumes other people for Jesus. What can you do for me? And God's asking, well, what can you do for me? Be somebody who lives outrageously contagious. So the three quick keys, and that's not what I'm preaching on today, but I just felt in my heart that we needed to say that because it's going to get unstable. You guys hear me? It's gonna, I'm not telling you it's not, it's not, it can't get better, okay? But if history is true, which it always is because it always recirculates, right? Okay, if history is true, this is it. Okay, these are the times we're going to start feeling some real uncertainty right now with our finances, with things going on. Before you know it, who knows? Maybe we'll be cashless. Who knows what's going to happen? Then we have to decide to ourselves, God, who do I trust in more? And these three key things are going to help you become stable when it becomes more unstable. Trusting in Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So hunger for God, stay connected and active. Be outrageously contagious. Win souls, win souls, and make disciples. Win souls and make disciples. Okay, so we're going to talk about who to vote for today. I'm not going to tell you names, okay? I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for. What we're going to do is just go to the Word and find out what the Bible says, what a godly leader is, okay? But I do want to say this. Out in the front entry right there, there's some voting resources. Thank you, Sarah Mesmer, for those. Got those in. Um, there's some voting resources out there. It tells you both sides of each candidate of what they believe on certain topics. 
okay? We're not, we're not, we're, we're gonna be as bipartisan as we can be, okay? Because we believe in Jesus, not in the candidate. But there are certain things that we have to vote on because candidates do believe in certain ways. And let me tell you, I don't care what the world says right now, we the people decide what happens in our country. Okay? We the people. It's, for, it's, it's, about, it's about how we choose. Okay? It's about how we choose. So grab some of those resources. It'll, it'll walk you through, you know, what, what each candidate believes in in certain topics, um, especially biblical topics for those kinds of things. Okay? <clears throat> We're not going to endorse a certain person. That's not who we are. It's not what we do. But we endorse what the Bible says. All right? So it's extremely important that we vote this November. How many believe with that? However, how you choose who to vote for is totally up to you. But let me encourage you on one aspect of voting. Vote policy, not personality. Vote policy, not personality. See, us Americans, we're drawn to personality. It's why our country has been conditioned to live by feelings and not by the truth. I feel this way. You hurt my feelings, right? We're conditioned to live by feelings and not by the truth. Now, let me say this. We should never really set out to intentionally hurt anybody. Everyone grasp what I'm saying? Okay? Never intentionally set out to hurt anybody. Equally, we should never hold back the truth because it would hurt either. And I'm talking about not your truth. I'm talking about the truth. Because your truth is mis misconstrued. I mean, it just is. We, we all have a different shade of opinion of how we, how we interpret what this says or how we interpret how we feel. But I'm talking about the truth, the word of God, Jesus himself. What does he have to say about it all? See, Jesus always forgave. Amen? He always forgave. And then he followed up with this saying. He said, go and sin no more. He forgave the sin, but he told the person Hey, look, what you did was just wrong. It was against how I am. It was against my, 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 uh, um, uh, my it, was, it was against the truth of what, of what God has said. It was against what I said. It's against, what the, I love you. I forgive you. There's grace and mercy for you. And then he picked up the prostitute and he said, go and sin no more. See, Jesus doesn't tolerate sin. He just forgives it. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Jesus doesn't tolerate sin, he forgives it, right? He forgives it, he says, man, look, I love you with all of my heart. And let me tell you here this morning, if you're wondering if Jesus loves you, right, if he cares about you, get that thought out of your mind. He loves you, he cares for you, he has the best in store for you. He knows you inside and out. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew exactly who you were. But he's not gonna sit there and tolerate our decisions not to be obedient to his word. What we do is when we purposely sin, we get ourselves out from the umbrella of God's protection. And then that's when all the stuff starts happening to us, right? That's when all the confusion and all the junk starts entering into our heart and to our mind, right? And God says, just come back to me. And I vow to say here this morning that there's somebody in this place sitting here that says, I just need to come back to Jesus, that you were once a sheep in the shepherd's pen under him, but you left the flock. Jesus is saying to you today, today is the day for you to come back to safety and protection. Amen? Man, I'm preaching today. So, 
when you hit the ballot box this year, vote on biblical truth. These policies that align with the word of God. So I'm gonna tell you me. These are the two main issues for me that I will see and that I will vote on, okay? You can do whatever you wanna do. I'm just telling you me. Everyone got that? Number one issue for me that I think that are not political, but are actually biblical, that we need to protect these two things. Number one is abortion. We need to protect babies. See, I believe that every life matters. Every baby counts. Come on, somebody. Every baby counts. Now, now, let me say this with grace and with mercy, because you just heard people cheer, which is they're standing up for, for that. But let me tell you something right now. If you have ever had an abortion, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He does not condemn you at all. He does not condemn you. And because he doesn't, we don't either. Do you hear what I just said? Because he doesn't, we don't either. We love you. And I know there's a lot of reasons and a lot of opinions on this one. But for me, like I said, this is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. I believe that life is formed at conception. But even more than that, to really truly value life, we have to believe that, val- that life was actually formed before conception. Because the Bible says it started in the heart of God. It says this in Psalms, before you were formed, I knew you. And the Bible says if we value life, all life, will value the life before it was even conceived. It's not about what happens with that baby, it happens before. And that baby, no matter who it is, no matter what situation it comes from, no matter what's taking place. Now look, I've never been in those situations and I know there's a lot of grace and mercy in those things. You have to understand my heart in this. Please understand what I'm saying to you. I value your life if you're a woman here today and you've had to make some difficult decisions. There's grace and mercy for you, but I'm here to tell you that that baby has a purpose, no matter where that baby comes from. That life is valuable here on earth because before it was here on earth, it was valuable in heaven. Number two, topic for me. Like I said, these aren't political issues. These are biblical issues for me. And that's the attack on children. The only way we can describe the attack on our children is hell has become unleashed and it's a demonic attack on our country right now with our children. And I'm not even talking about sexual identity. I'm talking about identity in general. The enemy's number one mission, his number one mission from day one is to get people to doubt who they are in Christ. It's to get who they are in Christ. It started way back in Adam and Eve days. Oh, God said this about you. Well, what he was really saying was this. He loves to come in and bring confusion 
and doubt and begin, a, and begin to put a seed in our hearts where we begin to go, I don't really know what's true and what's a lie. I don't really know what's right and what's wrong. And unfortunately, in our country today, we are valuing what's wrong and we say that it's right when God's standard in the word of God says it's wrong and we need to get right. God too. His desire is to wipe away our confidence in who we are. And now that has become a common practice in schools, masked in the guise of tolerance. Now listen to me. I can pray. I can preach. And we all need to do those two things. And when you preach, don't preach online, behind a keyboard. It don't change nothing. You said, I said this a couple weeks ago. It doesn't change a thing. but we can also vote. Amen? I'm gonna leave it like that. All right, so now that we're done with that, let's see what the word says about a good leader. You guys ready? Turn to your Bibles in Proverbs chapter 16. We're gonna read 10 through 16. Now, I'm reading out of the message translation, and I would never preach out of the message translation. However, however, the message translation in this portion of scripture really spells out really, really well on what leadership is when it comes to godly leadership, okay? When it comes to godly leadership. Proverbs chapter 16. Everyone there say, "Uh uh-huh, if you're there. Okay, Proverbs chapter 16. Thank you for that hearty, Uh uh-huh. Verses 10 through 16, okay? Verses 10 through 16. Okay, here we go. This is what it says. I'm gonna go through each of these verses Okay, out of the Message Bible, yours is gonna say something different. Yours is gonna say the kings of lips. Okay, does anybody's Bible say the kings of lips? The king's lips or something like that, okay? Okay, um, or, or, the li- or the mouth of a king or something like that. That's what your translation is gonna say. We're gonna read out of the message and this is what it says. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 10 through 16, verse 10 says this. A good leader motivates, doesn't mislead, and doesn't exploit. So we're talking about what godly leadership is in the country, okay? All right? What godly leadership is, because it says the king, and the king was the king of a country, okay? So this comes down to voting. It comes down to to government, okay? So a good leader motivates, doesn't mislead, and doesn't exploit. So in other words, a good leader is someone who can motivate to greatness, to motivate, motivate us from one state of our lives to another state. A good leader is someone that doesn't give false expectations, but faith-filled vision. In other words, a good leader is not selfishly motivated. That's what a good leader is according to the word of God. Okay? A good leader is someone who does not, who sees the bigger picture and says, this is for the people. Okay? In, in those days, it was David the king, and he said, this is for these people. All right, so a good leader motivates others to be who they are, okay, to the greatest of their ability, to bring out the greatness inside of them, all right? And then a good leader also says is not selfishly motivated to get what they want, but also to give what they think the country needs. That's a good leader. Verse 11, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. I love that, okay? God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. A good leader 
And, and I'm reading these off to you so when you go to the ballot box in November, you can take what the Word of God says and vote with freedom, okay, and knowledge on what the Bible says on what a good leader is, okay? One more time, verse 11. God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. A good leader is someone who is honest, who doesn't th say things just to make you feel better about the situation, but he does, or she does, bring peace and resolve and invites good, godly counsel and wisdom in the decision process. A good leader is honest in the workplace, meaning this. A good leader says, hey, when times are tough, they don't go, I no, we go, we recognize the issue. We go, yep, it's gonna, it's gonna get pretty rocky, okay? But they also bring faith into the mix. They also bring vision to the mix. And they say, yep, it's looking pretty rocky, but with God, all things are possible. If God has set us out to do this certain task and to do these certain things, and if it's in my heart, it's in his heart, if he's done these things, right, to do this, then all of a sudden we know that God is gonna fulfill the purpose and the mission. Why? Because it's from his heart, not ours. Okay, he's honest in the workplace. Verse 12, good leaders abhor wrongdoing of all kinds. Sound leadership has a moral foundation. Boy, is it anything that our country needs now? It's this, amen? amen? Good leaders, and I'm not even talking about right now. I'm talking about just in our country for the last 20 years, right? It almost seems like we've lost a moral foundation within our country, okay? We've lost morality, it's gotten skewed so many times. Morality is based on how we feel, not on the truth of what it is. You ever heard somebody say, well, this is my truth? Right? I understand what they're saying when they say that. I get that. that they're basically saying this is my perspective. Okay? But there's something different when we don't have a foundation in God's word. Let, let me just start with this, and I'll finish with it too. That this country, even though it's not the most perfect country, come on, somebody. Can we say amen to that? Right? We have to acknowledge the things that, that have happened in our country. Some of them have been awful. But let me tell you what. This country is the best country in the whole world. And I don't care what anybody else says. I am USA, baby, all day long. Right? But before USA, I'm a citizen of heaven above anything. And that's where we derive our morality. It's not in how I feel, but on the word of God. Verse 13, no, 13, yeah. Good leaders cultivate honest speech. They love advisors who tell them the truth. <laughs> I just think that's so awesome. <laughs> A good leader creates culture, isn't led by it. Come on, somebody. No, I don't think you just heard what I said. A good leader creates culture, isn't led by it. Good leaders value truth and honesty. A good leader makes or should make good decision on who he surrounds himself with or herself with. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. That's in Corinthians. Bad company corrupts good morals. So when you are at the ballot box this November, on November 8th, and you're sitting there and you're wondering, who should I vote for? Think about this for a second. Think about not just the person that you're voting for, but think about the people they're going to have themselves surrounded with. It all matters. 
even more than nationally for our president, I believe even more that even locally it matters more than anything. All right? Verse 14. An intemperate leader wreaks havoc in lives. You're smart to stay clear, stay clear of someone like that. <laughs> this is an interesting one. This talks about having or showing a lack of self-control. Immoderate is what that word intemperate means. And even the dictionary says this, you're having a self-control, especially with alcohol. That's what your dictionary says, your Webster's dictionary about intemperate, that word intemperate. See, a good leader is someone who can control their urges, who recognizes when they have done wrong, and who can be led, who cannot be led by their own selfish desires. That is what a good leader is, where they choose to be led by the Spirit and by the good counsel around them, not by their own selfish desires. Verse 15. You can start some music back there in the back. Thanks, Megan. Good-tempered leaders, good-tempered leaders invigorate lives. They're like spring rain and sunshine. I love that verse. (laughs) There's a verse in the Bible, I'm gonna paraphrase it, where it says, it's in Proverbs, that it says, I'm gonna paraphrase it the the way I hear it. When you're in a country that's going really bad, everyone complains about it. But when you're in a country where things are going good, everyone praises and focuses on God. That's the the JKV version. The Jacob Jacob King version. That was my attempt at a joke, but it didn't work. (laughs) A good-tempered leader invigorates lives They're like spring rain and sunshine. See, good godly leadership leads others into wellness, peace, creativity in business, family, and finances. That's what a good leader does. Verse 16. And I love this about Proverbs. I think I'm gonna do a whole series on just the book of Proverbs. Wouldn't that be cool? Would you guys want that? Okay. Verse 16. Get wisdom. It's worth more, more than money. <laughs> Choose insight over income every time. Isn't that great? Get wisdom, it says. King Solomon says, it's worth more than money. Choose insight over income every time. Good leaders should strive for wisdom over finances. Why? Wisdom leads. Finances and money, even though necessary at times, they will always burn. You ever said, man, I just burnt 20 bucks. I just spent $20. Okay. And that went fast. Why? Because your money and our money does not bring us stability in our lives. Yeah, it's necessary. Yep, you need it. You know, the thing about finances is that it's never bad, right? Nowhere in the Bible you're ever gonna say, see where, where it says, oh, it's bad to have money. No, look, I think believers and Christians, I think we need to be the people that are resourceful. I think we need to be the, the kind of people that live in abundance, Amen. that live in abundance. 
right? Where it gets bad is when the Bible says that it's the love of money. It's the love of money that gets you into trouble. You can have money, but when the money starts driving you and starts leading you into decisions that you never thought you would ever make, then you've lacked wisdom and now you're focusing on your finances. It's when money gets us out of whack. We become actually addicted to the security that money can bring. And your Bible says that you shall have no other idols or gods before me. And the love of money is called the love of mammon. And that word mammon actually is a spirit. It used to worship the God of mammon back in the Old and the New Testament as someone who could provide all of their needs. When we simply rely on that and not God, when we simply rely on him, and the reason why I'm talking about this because it's really important because recession right now is knocking on our doorstep, right? This whole financial thing, we don't know what's gonna happen. But let me tell you, yes, prepare, yes, save, yes, invest, yes, do all the things, but don't forget to invest in the thing that's most important, and that's your relationship with Jesus. It's your relationship with God. See, back in the day, there used to be the shirt or a saying or something like that. I try to remember what it, where I heard it from and where I saw it from. It says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. That's an old junior high thing I used to remember. He who dies with the most toys still dies. I'll say it like this. He who dies with the most money still dies. In other words, moth and rust will ruin the investments that you made here on earth. But wisdom, wisdom will be the investment of your eternity. Man, that's a good word. My hair's getting long. Wisdom says, we don't want to just prepare for your future. We want to prepare for your eternity. Yes, to leave a legacy for your children and your family. Yes, to have something that they can have. But when we're sitting there and it's just us and God, he's not going to ask you, how much money did you save for your kids? Did you make sure he's not going to pull out your financial portfolio? What he's going to do is, do I know you or do I not know you? That's what matters. That's what matters. So where's your life here this morning as I close? Where is your life? Where is your investment going? Is it in your finances? I'm not, hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking bad about that. You need to invest, man. I pray and I hope, and I pray that all of you have two or three homes, especially down in Florida, where you say, Pastor, I got a house for you down in Florida. You can go spend a weekend, right? I want that to happen for you guys. Yes, yes. Have your Teslas. No, don't have a Tesla. They burn up, I heard. Have all those things. Come on. God's people should be blessed like that. But where's your investment? Is your investment in the stuff or is your investment, does wisdom speak investment into your eternity? I want everybody to have bowed and eye closed, please. So if you're here this morning, You're like, you know, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. And if you don't hear anything else, 
I want you to hear this. That the word of God says that right now is the time for salvation. Right now. Not tomorrow. Not in an hour. Not when you're ready. But right now. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus for the first time, you never really committed your life to Jesus. You've never said, God, forgive me my sin. I know that I need you. I know that I need you. If that's you, will you just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down if that's you? Is there anybody here that says that's me? Pastor, pray for me. Look, next week, don't, don't, don't lift your heads yet. I'm gonna speak something to you guys. Next week, I want everyone to invite someone that doesn't know Jesus. I'm commissioning you right now to all be evangelists. Go and bring somebody. Invite somebody. Because Pastor Mario is going to give an altar call. I want to see people get saved. Because that's what it's all about. That's the investment in the kingdom I'm talking about. Right there. Second question is this. If you're here this morning, you know Pastor Jake, I hear what you're saying. And my life hasn't been right with you and I need it to get right right now. I'm a believer, but I know I haven't been living for Jesus and I know I need to. If that's you, raise your hand, put it right back down. Come on, somebody, is that you? It says, that's me, pastor, pray for me. <laughs> I could just feel it. You're going, I don't know if I should raise my hand or not. Everyone's gonna judge me. Ain't no judgment here. I could feel it. That's me, pastor, pray for me. I need to get it right. Okay, opportunity spoken. Last thing. Since we're all believers in here and we're all destined to go to heaven and you know that your life is right with Jesus, why don't we go ahead and stand? And I'm gonna invite Pastor Steve to come up here and he's gonna pray for our country. And you and I, we're gonna partner together right now with our, all of our faith and we're gonna pray for our leaders we're gonna pray for our president. We're gonna pray for this November. We're gonna pray that God's will will be done. Go ahead, Pastor Steve. Yeah, Jesus.